Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt Lineouts. Uh, today is Lineouts Extra Rugby Techniques with Gordon Hanlon, the director of rugby for TSV Handelsheim. I think I was closer the last time, maybe not. But uh, what is, uh, well, if I said TSV, like actual words, what is that? Uh, we'll, we'll put that in later. <laughs> 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 Honestly, I, I don't know. I probably should, but no. But um, all right. Lots of, lots of German words. Lots of all right. Well, words. today is seasonal planning. Um, we're going to talk rugby periodization for the team and the individual. So, you know, let's just get into it. So how do we start? What are the steps to seasonal planning? Yeah, so we find there are lots of like jobs and opportunities are cropping up all the time now. So people are going into these new positions. So we, we figured we'd kind of talk about that. And... Like the first thing to start with as a coach is your 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 philosophy. Um, it's you know how you see the game, how you like it played, you know, um, and it, it it has to be it has to be short, it has to be memorable, it has to be like less than six words. And you, as a coach, your philosophy it can change, but realistically, it's basically the same. Just the wording is different throughout the years. So what's your philosophy? <laughs> um, so mine is very simple. It is uh, violent precision, um, which you hear the word violent. And, and the reason we chose this is so I like to do everything at high speed. Well, so to be should, honest, violent yeah. precision is what you should want in, in rugby because this is – uh, you know, it's one of the sports, it's a contact sport, so it's controlled violence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think there is a, there, there is a difference between violence and, and violent. Um, so I, I chose the word violent because it's so, first of all, it's memorable. If, if I say, hey, we want to we hit gaps fast or quickly, it, it, it can get kind of lost. Like if you are talking to someone who's in a car wreck, you ask them, how was it? They said, oh, it was a really bad collision or it was a high-speed impact. You'd be like, okay. But if they said, hey, it was a violent collision, then you can get a sense of, you can feel you can feel the impact. It's more tangible. Um, and then the precision part of it is we want to be precise in everything we do. So our nutrition, our hydration, our sleep, our strength and conditioning, everything we do is precise. Uh, in particular, off the field, but also on the field, you know. So uh, when we go into contact, like we discussed before, it's it's the footwork evasion, army crawl, snap back, place the ball properly. So everything we do is precise at violent speeds. Because, like you're right, it is it is a it is a collision sport we play, and and there is a point of contact, and and if you win the point of contact, you will generally win the game. So, any examples you have used? Um, so, for like, yeah, well, I mean, that's, I guess, the, the example of the car accident. But, I mean, if we're going to talk about 
so after our, our philosophy, it kind of um, we need our our vision. So the coach's vision and the vision for the team, and um, and you want to try and um, get the team to believe in your vision because otherwise it's just fifteen men or women chasing a ball around the field, you know. Um, and the vision wants to be it wants to be your dreams or your goals for the season. Hey, we're going to go win the NCAA tournament or something, or or the the coach's theme for the year. And I'm really I'm really big believer in in each season should have a particular theme to it. You know, it it, it, it again it's not just about chasing a ball around the field. The players have to believe in something more. So if you can bring in a a, a like a non-rugby based theme for the year and, and and related to what you're doing on the field, it's a good way of, of keeping them engaged. So like ex- examples of that, um, there's, again, we came here, we're competing against uh, professional teams and then professional teams and then there's very professional teams. And it's, it's about climbing a mountain, for example. You don't need to be a paid professional to climb Mount Everest, you know. You just need to be prepared and work hard. Um, you can do one if you have 12 games. So in, in New Zealand, you play 12 league games. It's a really good one. It is 12 rounds of boxing. So, so each game you play is one round of boxing. And it means if you lose a game, well, you still have 11 other rounds. And it's just about scoring points. So this round, we're going to score more points than the opposition. We win the round. You just keep ticking along. You know, you try not to get knocked out. Um. And in training and stuff like that, you can do you could do like boxing-based conditioning. So it kind of relates it to that. You can call um, if you're doing footwork and agility. It's it's related to like skipping or something like that. You know, so you try and tie what you do during the weekend to the theme for the year. Um, basketball is a good one. And then I was um, I was going to take a job in the north of, of Portugal. A really uh, a smaller team, very, very skillful, very, very agile. But for every game, they had to travel south like three or four hours. So uh, my wife said I shouldn't do it. But the theme I wanted to do was we're going to be like Comanche Indians. And every game was going to be a, a raiding party. You know, we were smaller, but we we're more agile, just like the Comanche Indi- Indians back in the day. Um, so we had to, you know, we would go down, we would raid, we'd become successful and we, we would return. Now, I'm not, we weren't scalping people or anything like that, but, but you know, the, the idea was to just to be, to, to play up to our strengths of being faster and quicker and, and more agile. So these are ideas of just themes you could do for the year. And it makes it, I mean, if you're in a professional environment day in, day out, it makes it more interesting than just chasing the ball around the field. So, you know, how do you, like, how do you build your team profile? Um, okay, so basically you would do just a SWOT analysis, like a strength, weakness, opportunities, and threat analysis on your players. And then it's very simple. Um, you could do it from the, the, the four pillars. It's uh, technical, tactical, um, psychological, and physical. And then you do those analysis for the entire team, for your mini units, if it's forwards, backs, or, you know, tight five, back, back row, and then in the individuals. And you just, just map out all the individuals that you have. You map out your team. What are we good at? What are we bad at? What, what do they struggle with? What, what do they excel at? 
put it up on a massive like on a whiteboard or something then you, when you start to find trends you can start to build from those trends and get a better picture of where you are as a team you know that that's for the on-field stuff it's very important so this will be um how your coaching staff works together yeah um this is equally as important, you know. Sometimes we put so much effort and emphasis on our uh, the team, and then we just we don't know. So there has to be like a prognosis and a, and a di- diagnosis of our backroom staff. You know, we like what do you want as a head coach, for example? What do you want from your backroom staff, from your strength conditioning, from your assistant coaches, your physios, your nutritionists, for example? What do you want for them? And then versus what do you actually have? So you may want these six positions, but you only have two people. So <laughs> it's about managing these two people uh, to the best of their ability. You know, you don't want to overload them so much that they're burnt out, for example. And you want to use everyone's strengths, just like the, you do on the field, um, to make the best um, coaching team or, or backroom, backroom team uh, possible and to be really effective working together. So, I mean, what are you going to use uh, your SWOT analysis for? What's what's after that? Um, so this is basically all done before your season, before you do any of the real planning. Um, and if you break the season up or the planning part of it into your – you have your season game plan, which is the, the first thing you're going to work on. And then from that, you go to the patterns of play, then you go to your match day plan, and then you do review. So all of this information you've gathered before you actually start helps you do your planning. Uh, so you go into your season game plan, which is the it's really, it's, it's the basis of what you build your entire year around. So what's the season game plan? Um, is it just shape and tactics or... What goes into this? Um, it's it's it, no, it, it's not your your shape and tactics as such. It is it's the reality basically of of what you have and where you are versus where you would like to be, and then with small like look to the future of okay, we get here, we want to be there uh, six months later, for example. So it's what you have versus what you would like. So the best way I can describe it is you're on one side of the river and you want to get to the other side. So your season plan is how are you going to build that bridge? But but you know that there's another river crossing on the other side. So you're thinking you're whilst you are building this bridge, you're thinking about the next one and how what the things you can learn from this to carry over to that. Um, it's it's to simplify it's basically just like a business it's like your mission statement for example you take ireland ireland season plan would be we're going to use a contestable kicking game with conor murray's box kicks uh england's one would be like a really hard blitz line just these simple things that you build your season around that this is the idea we want to have and this is what we're, we're going to try and do um and now we have to like you figure out how to do it through, again, just like at the start, it's you start with your, um, you have your mission statement and then you start planning where you are to where you want to go and it's like your physical um, 
physical development and fitness is one one example. So you do benchmark testing and then you think, where do we need to be fitness-wise? So that's like, you know, you're looking at the speed, strength, power, agility, flexibility, for example. Then you have your, your, your technical development and skill. Again, that's another thing. We need to be able to do this. We need to be able to execute our box kicks from 40 meters to 28 meters if we were doing that Ireland contestable option. Um, they're the easy things. They're the things most people think of, you know, but I think the most important ones are the psychological development and the motivations because rugby is a taxing sport and it's very... So how do you gauge this? Do you take notes and then, you know, adjust your plan? Um, yes. So I've, you've got... So when you, when you create your plan, um, you would want to... Um, I guess we can go into more detail later, but you split it up into kind of like off-season, pre-season, in-season, post-season. Uh, and then you set your benchmarks for where you would like to be. We'd like to be here in this part and here in that part. Um, and then you plan out each of these blocks. So you'll plan out three months in advance. Um, it's really difficult to do at the start because you don't know the expectations. You don't know the uh, development levels of your players. But that's what makes a good coach. You know, when you can do this and when you can plan accurately to about 90%, you know, and, and that 10% uh, variance is when, let's say you've had a game and something has happened that you didn't think of, you have to address it for 15 or 20 minutes uh, the following week and then the week after. So you don't want to be, because if you're, if you're constantly fixing your errors, you're never going to improve your strengths. So we always want to be, that's why we did the SWOT analysis. We always want to be looking at our strengths and looking to make them stronger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the part is this, like the psychological development for when you're planning is huge. You know, it's the, you have to teach these players how to set goals. You got to teach them, like you said, you mentioned a, a diary is, is to keep a journal, to talk about their plans. What are the dedicated practice? What are they going to get better at today? How do they do it? Did it work? Why did it not work? You know, um, visualization is another key tool. You should teach them, and the, because because the brain can't really tell the difference if you can visualize it really well, like just like in dreams, the brain can't tell the difference between us actually doing the action or thinking about it. Um, so that's really important for goal kickers under pressure as well. Um, and then performance profiling. So you need to understand like the, the high arousal versus low arousal guys. So I'm a very low arousal um, psychologically um, in that you can come in and give me a big like rah, rah, we'll, we'll fight them on the beaches type speech. And <laughs> I'd be like, okay, well, best of luck to you. But I'm when it, for <laughs> yeah. me, when it, when it comes to rah, rah speeches, it's about uh, – it's about trust specifically. Yeah. Um, like do like, does that, um, guy, you know, is it that guy? Right. Yeah. Um, like you've got to have specific credibility when it comes to giving those speeches and you can't give them all the time. You have to be targeted per se. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
you know, kind of like, just like Cambridge Analytica, I guess, and their targeted messages. Um, but it's, it's those high arousal guys, if, you know, if there's someone up here and you give the big rah-rah speech, well, they're going to just blow their load. They're, they, they, they've got a really high percentage chance of being yellow carded or even red carded. And then if you have lower arousal guys and you give them more muted talk or, or you need to, they need to learn how to, how to kind of come up to the halfway point. And those higher arousal guys need to come down a little bit as well. So we're in like a, the sweet spot, like a sweet spot of, of, of focus. So that's why that's really important is, is the mental um, profiling of the squad and who you have. It's so important. So what about um, the non-rugby specific situations within this, you know, season game plan? Yeah, it's, um, you know, you have to, you cannot plan the week out and plan the sessions and then not account for the extracurricular stuff like if players are doing further education you know or 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 like the saber cats are going out and to do the community outreach all the time you know you need you need to build these kind of things in you need to build uh, rest weeks for in particular just that's the difference between ireland and england right now the irish players get to rest and the english players are, are smashed in the premiership you know the, the media days and, and all of these things which are part of uh, modern day rugby they have to be accounted for and put into your plan you know if you ask a player who is very nervous he's got zero training zero experience to go sit in front of 15 reporters and represent your franchise and he doesn't know what's going on you could get yourself into a lot of like trouble and bother so it's about doing these non-rugby specific things as well to really help grow the person and and again it, it builds up the trust so that's the that and the psychological things are really important in the planning phase. So when it, when it comes to um, tactics, let's move towards patterns of play. Okay. Um, the patterns of play are, are like our team strategies. And, you know, it's, it's how we're going to achieve what we want in these certain situations, you know? So if you, Break it down to, well, our, our team, like for the team unit itself, you have, you've got kickoffs, you've got phase play, and then you've got defense. They're the three main ones, you know. If you go into your units, um, preset piece for the forwards is scrum, line out, uh, kickoff. Uh, for the backs, it's strike, move, defense. And then post set piece, you know, your forwards, you've got rocks, malls, breakdowns who's holding with, who's going where, and then same for the backs. You know, if you have cross options or, or kicking options and um, the defensive roles, like we talked about the blitz, are our backs blitzing or, or are they jockeying? So it, your, your patterns of play are your it, – it has to be specific, but they're more so frameworks where you can allow players to express themselves. You know, you don't want to – like you can't force someone to be creative, but you can – kill their creativity by turning them into robots you know the um, location on the field is another one you have so different so are five meters from our line versus inside their 22 you'll have different patterns of play and also a big one especially in, in the US um, where the weather is so uh, different the you know if you, you'll have one set if you are on a wet 
muddy pitch versus if you're in a sunny 4G world rugby rag field. You know, it's going to be different in, in how you approach the game. Then, um, so how is that different than, you know, match day tactics? Um, well, match day tactics are more specific. They're, they're tailored to the specific opposition. So, for example, um, instead of just, so let's say, in patterns of play, we'll say, hey, we have our seven-man line out in this area. With your match day tactics would be, well, we've seen that their hooker comes in to join the line out very early. So we're going to do, we're going to bring in an option whereby we throw to the front, fake a mall, and then pass back to the five meter channel. So our tactics are, are tailored to the individual teams, you know, um, in defense, you know, do we blitz up or do we just give them this, give them the wider channel attack is where it's really varied though. So again, you start with the line out, you can hit in midfield. Some teams, will flow around or fold around the corner really quickly. Like if you watch the Premiership semi-final, Ex Exeter against Saracens. So what Ex Exeter did was because Saracens are bringing a lot of line speed, uh, Exeter hit in midfield and then snapped back on the blind side and played a couple of phases there because that took out all the line speed from Saracens because they were looking to blitz, but they were going back. Um, another great example from the weekend is the Ireland-England game where the like if you have specific specific channel targets or plays that you know they're going to react to you want to make slight tweaks so johnny sexton set up his classic johnny sexton pass and loop option um and then the the tight furlong the prop got the ball and instead of it going back to johnny sexton it was a, just a little a little short flat pass and we were through the gap because uh the english defenders were all focused in on on johnny so so this is the kind of they're the match day tactics there there's just um little special items what you're going to bring in you know if, if you know a number eight is lazy what you'll do is you'll do a backline play from a scrum where you you keep him like close enough so he's interested, and then you drag him across the field. And then if he start, if he's staying on the sideline, you know he'll stay there. So once you drag him to the sideline, then you can play back left, and you know their number number eight is not going to work across the field. So that's your match day tactics. You know, it's these little little special items, and and how you can do that is just at the start of the week, like a one page document, for example, um, like a infographic. Hey, this person is lazy. We do this, or in this channel, this person is a really bad defender, or he hurt his ankle last week, cannot step off his right foot. You're like, okay, well then we know what we how we could do that, and then just you know disseminate the one page thing to your team and have have them talk about it, and, and yeah, it goes from there. And then you know, what's the review of this? Yeah, so you well you look at you look at your game plan, you look at your tactics and what you're trying to do. Um and just like a weighted scoring system, if it worked, if it didn't work, okay. You, you look at the uh, key performance um indicators. What were you trying to do? Did you achieve them or did you not, you know? And then so like there's some things you should be like are are in your overall strategy are non-negotiables, okay? Like your 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 attacking shape. So if a team plays 2-4-2, two, two, they're not going to switch to 1-3-3-1 the next game. 
So, so those things stay the same. And that you measure on the effectiveness of, did we execute our, our decisions and our skills in the shapes? Um, but again, you have to, sometimes there's situations which you cannot plan for. Um, so you want to look at the performance. Did our units work together? Um, how was our front row? How was our, our back three? Did we secure all our, 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 our kicks, for example? So that's what you do in the review. And then in, also you look at your team profile that we said at the start, you know, we look at who do we have available? Did we get people injured? Has our profile of our team changed? You know, did we discover that, well, all of a sudden Aaron can throw 25 meter hard flat like George Ford skip passes. We didn't know we could do that. <laughs> so, so now we can plan uh, with that little extra weapon that you have. And so that's how you do just a simple, just a quick review, really. There's not, I don't think there's much time. You don't need to spend much time reviewing uh, the opposition or, or your last games, really. So preview, when, it, when, are, you, when are you doing that? Um, well, so I'll, I'll start doing that when the um, game is finished for the next week. The players will be preoccupied. Um, but it's about developing the tactics for next week. And sometimes this can be done three or four weeks in, in advance, you know. So we, have, uh, we're, we know the team we're playing against in three weeks' time, so we're going to have a different uh, attacking strategy inside their half than we have on Saturday against a different team. So you can start to plan for that, you know. It, and it, it, when you have experience and when you know how these teams will play, you can do it further in advance. Uh, but most of it is done. It's it's done on that Sunday or that Monday. You know, ideally you have uh, portfolios. Is what I call it with all your players. So it's a lot easier. It's not just the, the coaching staff doing. So, it. like, what are portfolios? Um, so the best way I can describe them is to kind of to take. I guess it'd be communism would be the best way to describe it. But so you have your leaders in the team, right? So we all know we have our captains, our vice captain, and there's there's leadership groups are starting to come in where they'll they'll make decisions. But I like to take it to portfolios in that you take you have an attack group. So it could be your nine, your ten, your eight, your thirteen. Attack, defense, you know, line out group would be your hooker and the guy, your your two lock, two main locks. Scrum group, your kick. I'd like to do kickoffs. I like to do strike moves, counter attack, and then the point of contact. So each player on the team has a specific role. So take the contact for example. It, it could be you, and it could be us too. We would be in charge of the the contact portfolio. So if there's any situations from the game which are related to our our area, like the the, the breakdown. Um, we will just review the breakdowns and then present to either the leadership group, the rest of the players, or to the coaches, you know. And, and if any players have ideas or anyone has suggestions, they will go to you guys um, and then you discuss it. You can filter it, what's good, what's bad, what, what you would like to try. So instead of just all this information going up to the captain, for example, or the vice captain, it, it's, it's a lot easier uh, to filter out the white noise. And plus players, they have more of a, an impact on the team. You know, there's more buy-in and belief. Like if you're a, a 10, 12, and 13 combination, I could come in with a playbook 
I've got one here, but 80 pages long and say, hey, this is what we're going to do on Scrum Attack. But if one of them has an idea and he tells the other one who says, oh, that's a great idea, and they've, they've expressed themselves and they've come up with this idea themselves, well, they're going to run that play probably five times more often than anything I would tell them about. So, like, moving forward, like, what about the timeline and the periodization when it comes to the season? Okay. Um, and this is where it gets really time-consuming. But, so we said earlier, you know, you want to, you want to, the season is subdivided into segments uh, with, like, off-season, pre-season, in-season, post-season. And they all work like a cycle. So you want to have a continuous cycle of improvement. Like, each each block builds on the next. Um, and I find sometimes, you know, we can plan, oh, I, you see coaches, I planned the best preseason ever. And you say, yeah, well, well what, was, what was your in-season like? It's like, oh, well, I haven't got that far yet. You know, so they plan the preseason and then they start again with, for the in-season work. And there's just as a real disconnect. And this is really um, common with strength and conditioning coaches. So the strength coaches will say, hey, well, there's no impacts, there's no, there's no games, we're going to do a lot of lifting, a lot of heavy lifts, and this is the six-week six week plan I have. And the six-week plan works in isolation, and then you get, okay, well, what's after that? And you say, oh, well, I'll come up with another six-weeks plan. And, you know, then they're just individual uh, segments. So you, you want to um, have season in four categories and each category is working um with the uh, with the next or previous one so um we'll probably cover this um as part of this but you have four categories uh yeah. off season preseason in season postseason um yeah. so like what's the I, I what's the gist of each um, well, off season is, is pretty easy. You're, you're, you're off. Um, you don't want to be, I mean, in the modern, in the premiership and stuff, their off season is a lot shorter than it is in Ireland or New Zealand, for example. So you got a couple of weeks with just no rugby. Um, and then you want to have a couple of weeks in the off season where you're starting to build up. You're starting to think about rugby, you know, you're doing the individual, uh, cardio, just some some runs here and there, uh, working on some, some micro skills, just just easy, relaxing environment, you know. Um, the team, you can do some team stuff here, and again, it really does depend. Or you know, if you want to go lay on the beach in Fiji, just go ahead and do that. Um, and then you get into your your preseason, and this is where. So for many years. Um, the goal of the preseason was to get the teams as fit as possible. And then they would try and maintain that fitness um, for the rest of the season. But due to the stress and pressure and stuff, the, the performances would generally get less and less. So now there's a big switch towards our preseason by not being the fittest point of the year, but our fittest point of the year is when we want to peak. So our preseason is all about building the basis. So it's like teaching lifting, proper lifting techniques where we don't get injuries. Um, and it was John Wooden used to first session used to teach him how to put socks on because he didn't he couldn't have any players getting blisters. Hmm. Blisters would mean they couldn't practice. Um, 
So yeah, you you want to build up in your preseason. You're going through your for scrum technique. You're going through the uh, biarticular uh, force and, and what our bodies want to feel like and look like. Again, there's there's probably no full eight on eight scrums till the end of the preseason session. Or, uh, but it's all about just building that core base that you can continue to to grow. Um, and then as like the arc will start to like uh, peak up a little bit. And you'll play some friendlies here. You might play some inter-squad games where uh, there's contact, but it's in a controlled manner. So then you start introducing more and more contact um, and recovery as well, though. So we've discussed, I think, uh, a little bit so far. Um, yep. So how do you put that all together? Um, so one way is to just get a big annual planner. Um, so what I, I don't, I like to use um, uh, Excel. So if you get a spreadsheet, you simply put 52 columns in. That's your 52 weeks of the year. You, you block it, okay? So you look at your calendar. You look at when your season starts, when the season ends, when the, the playoffs or the championship games are supposed to be. Look at when the regional rugby or international rugby is going to be on and just you put your blocks in, okay? So this is our off-season here. This is pre-season, in-season, post-season. Um, and then you mark on the calendar on the top, whatever you put down the games that you have, and then color code each block so it's easy to recognize. And then when you have all the games laid out, you can start working on a periodization and, and and team planning. You know, with with your other coaches, with your with your strength team. So so it's really important that you have to be able to see it all in front of you. So you've um. We touched on it a little bit before um, about like segmenting things into six weeks. Um, so how do you, um, you know, plan these together so that they're intertwined across, you know, a 52 week year? Um, yeah. So I guess to, to periodization, um, as I said, so there used to be, hey, we're going to get really super fit in our preseason and then try and maintain that level over the course of the year. Well, from a physical point of view, we could probably keep doing that, but but psychologically, and, and it's, it's becoming almost impossible for the modern-day athlete to do this. So what we want to do is we want to uh, peak both physically, mentally, and technically um, generally twice a year with the second one building on the first one because it's only possible uh, mentally to keep your focus and, and be under severe pressure for about four to six weeks before we see a drop-off in performance. And what we want to do with that is we want to look at our important games, you know? So you want to say, hey, we're finals end here, so we want to – there's the finals, there's the semifinals, quarterfinals, um, and then important games in this four-week block. Okay, so these four weeks or five weeks leading into it, we need to be at our peak physical, uh, so technical, tactical, physical performance. And then you, you'll work back on oh, what's important games. So if you're in the... Oh, boom, 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 boom. I don't know. I guess in, in D1, if... when. The, the Reds play the Blacks, it's an important game for them. Or or the top of the table clash in the MLR, or even the for the Eagles, they'd, they'd probably want to peak at the Argentina 15 in the ARC. 
and that would be the game that they would they would want to be their best at. So you build these these, these you have these two uh, peaking periods. Oh, that's a iteration there, and then you want to work up towards them. You know, so um, what you want to do is you have you have your season goals, your performance targets, and everything. You know, you now know when you want to peak, and it's just a matter of of getting there. Um, you have to identify what skills are needed, um, what mindset is needed. Uh, you have to just do your analysis. Okay, we're here now. This is where we need to get. Um, and then, because, you know, I say four to six weeks, but sometimes that, that length of time could be longer. Or sometimes it's going to be shorter. People are going to drop off after three weeks. But it's really important when you're planning these uh, peaks is because people say, hey, we're going to peak for these six weeks, but they need to think about what happens after. Because when you drop, when you drop off and when the, the mental pressure is reduced, it, you can't have important games, you know. If, if your training load is cut drastically and then you have to play top of the table, uh, winner takes all in the MLR, you're not going to be in, in, in a good con condition to do it. So, you know, um, we talked a little bit about burnout, but, you know, how do you, like, do this when it comes to training load and even, you know, when, like, your periodization will be affected by injuries, right? So how do you, how do you plan, I guess, um, adjust your periodization when you do um, hit injuries and physical stress. Yeah. So, um, the biggest cause of injuries is, uh, jumps in workload. Like I always say like no one has ever started out running 30 marathons in 30 days. I mean, you're, <laughs> I'd probably die by day three, but, but there are people that can do that. So what you want to do is you want to, um, you, as a as the coaching team, you're, you're going to manage the, the, the intensity, the duration, and the quality of training. And you, want, you know where you want to get. So you have to get them there gradually. So if, let's say, in three weeks we're going to start, uh, we have a big game starting. Okay, so today we're going to do some contact. We'll do contact for, let's say, we'll do a two-minute contact session. Then Thursday we'll do a three-minute contact session. We'll maintain there. And then we go from three. It's, you know, actually, the perfect example is that I don't know if they have it in the U.S., but in Ireland it's like a, a couch or sofa to 5K. It's uh, yeah, uh, yeah um, we have uh, there's couch to 5K plans. There's couch to 10K plans. I mean, I don't know about couch to uh, couch to professional 15s, but you have <laughs> no, you have all. Yeah, you, no. We have those. Like you can get those periodization plans on the internet right now. Um, like I didn't, because uh, I hadn't. Uh, so not rugby related, but for my training for my last Olympic triathlon, we weren't at the volume that we needed to be. So we did a zero to Olympic tri program for the swim portion, like the run portion and the cycling portion uh, of training. My our like the volume was planned. So you have all kinds of different like couch to like you've couched to iron man period like <laughs> programs so yeah. yeah 
I mean, I totally get what you're saying here. So that's what you want to do. Yeah, you want to just uh, build up the load, then hold, and build it up, then hold, and then build it up, and then just and then and then peak when you need to be. You know, because it's just like weightlifting. It's physical training. It follows the same patterns. You know, we we, we load or we overload, and then we recover. Um, and then hopefully our recovery doesn't take us back to the level where we started. And we again we load, we overload, we recover, and we just keep keep going higher and higher and higher. Um, because there has to be recovery though, because if there's this continuous stress without recovery, your performances are going to drop. You know, um, the team environment is going to suffer. Like if there's a lot of stress, especially if there's a, a loss. Um, instead of it being positive and everyone supporting each other, you know, if you've had six weeks of really, really intense work and you've lost the last two games, well, there's a good chance that the players are going to get kind of like snappy with each other. They're going to be frustrated with each other. And, um, and what were once just minor problems, because everyone is frustrated and overworked now, now they've become major irritations. Um, and you always want to, like, you can't, do the same thing, like the same training all the time because the body uh, adapts and you, you don't really get that um, learning environment that, that you're looking for. So, yeah, you want to vary it, you want to increase the load, then you want to recover and then just, just keep doing that. So, you know, now let's, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, tactical periodization you know, and physical periodization, is that like the same? Um, no. So this tactical periodization is something that has come about in the last, well, for rugby anyway, I know it's been two years they've been speaking about it, but it came out of um, football or soccer from Portugal in the early 2000s. Um, and I, honestly, I'd never heard of it till, till I started working there and I, I got well, to... I mean, talking about soccer, I can, I can say when it comes to tactical periodization, we do this in football all the time when you're installing a playbook, right? So you have uh, specific plays uh, within your playbook that you're given. So instead of just being given 100 pages on offense or 100 pages on defense, you're given like five pages of stuff at a time. So when you're in the, I guess, the – I, I guess the out of season um, camp phase, which will be in the spring. If you're in like college uh, or high school, you'll get about four weeks of practice during the spring semester before summer workouts hit. You'll get like five pages um, every two days that you put in your playbook. Um, and if they haven't changed the playbook much, they'll um, it'll be like these five pages in your playbook are the ones we will work on for the next three days. So you have to study those and then you go into practice and do that. And then you build up to however many pay, like the whole playbook. Right. Yeah, that's it. It's exactly. And it's just the way when we train, we want to have a focus on like, so it's, it's about training those specific plays. For example, you don't want to bounce from, from, from one to the next. Like um, if you're going to do, you don't want to start with a run catch pass skills uh, session, then then go to a, a tackle technique session. Then you're going to do counter attack, and it's all about you know grouping things together and to really 
uh, focus on uh, certain principles because like rugby only really has four principles right there's there's attack there's defense just transition from attack to defense and transition from defense to attack that's 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 the basis of rugby there and and then obviously there's these sub principles um in each one of those so attack will have your your your, your shape your skills and, and, and stuff like that but but the tactical periodization with that is you want to be practicing like specific elements and and developing muscle memory so just like you said with your your, your five pages okay so uh monday let's say it's a recovery day we're going to work on our maps so these are our new match day tactics again it's very low uh, low intensity but that's all you're focused on again and you do con continuous uh feedback and, and you're trying to get them to focus on their passing and stuff. Tuesday can be a defense day. Um, so we start with tackle technique. We'll do uh, breakdown shape. We'll do uh, ruck rolls, you know, uh, uh, and then counterattack is a specific thing as well. So you really just want to take the core of the day and replicate the game, but train at a higher intensity with that focus. So using the game space approach, um, so people, you know, they have a full understanding of what the counterattack or turnover attack policies are. Instead of doing little bits here and there, they're like their whole day is just focused on creating muscle memory of where to go on turnover attack. Um, and on the field, you know, it's it's the usual thing. You're looking at the, the technical, tactical, physical, and psychological under pressure. So when you focus on one certain area, you can really begin to see the different skills, like over a long period of time, the mistakes build up. Now, if you do 15 minutes of passing, then 15 minutes of tackling, and 15 minutes of, of counterattack, you don't really get to see enough reps in each area to, to see the mistakes, to see the problems, and see what, what's good. Whereas if you do 45 minutes of just uh, turnover attack, then you get to see the decisions made. And, and it, it, it's a really, really good way of, 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 of training. Um, so what are some further examples of this? Um, yeah, I talked about this in the rugby coaches group. Um, someone, I think we were discussing that. They were talking about touch as a warm-up. Um, so, for example, if you can use touch games, right, and I'm not talking about just 10 on 10, just flinging the ball around sideways. So, for example, if you're going to do a defensive session, uh, you start off with, you play like burpee touch. So every time there's a touch made, the whole the defense have to do a burpee, the attacking number nine does a burpee. So this gets the defenders used to getting up off the ground, scanning, looking for where the targets are. It also has that benefit of warming their shoulders up, um, to a certain degree, because that's the biggest problem is in when defending is getting back up off the ground, and the time that you get up to spend to identify where you have to be after you get up. So the burpee touch is really good for defense. You know, if you're going to let's say you're working on line breaks out wide, you can play offload touch where it's like yeah, you got one touch, you can grab them, and then you have every pass has to be an offload either before the attacker or behind the attacker. Um, again, in your warm-up games, they have to have a specific uh, purpose. Um, like there's counter-attack, there's, there's a different games. If it's just basic attack, there's other games. If, there's, um, if you're going to do kicking, 
or or like crossfield kicking that day, you 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 play like Australian football. So there's lots of lots lots of kicks, there's lots of catches in there. So so you're 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 starting this session with games that are they're making decisions, they're they're getting running in, but they're also focused on what the purpose of this of or what's uh, the plan for the day, you know. So moving forward, we've we've talked a lot about tactics and sort of like preparation for like your um like your strength and conditioning but how do you work off the field with strength and conditioning coaches when it comes to like putting this into the plan um yeah so that's it's it's a really guys have to be on the same page and it's so um when i first read about this and, and then i end up going back to Texas for Christmas, I went to Ed Cosner down in Houston. He's yeah. a really good guy. God, he's a fountain of knowledge. The reason why he works with all blacks. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's like, best way I can describe it is, do you want to, you, again, you tailor your workout and your off-field activities to what's going to happen on the field. So, for example, if your forwards are going to be doing scrum work, then in the gym it's a lot of heavy lifting. It's, it's a lot of, like, you're generating power. Um, it's like the same body movement of a, of, a, of, a, of a squat is basically the scrum. So you're, you're combining that. You know, if it's a, a defense day, you want, to, you want the lifts or, or the workout to be more explosive, to be a little bit faster, you know, um, like for example, you're gonna do you can do deadlifts with shoulder shrugs because the little shoulder shrug makes a big difference because that's what a tackle is. You know, you're you're generating force through your hips into your into your core, and then you want your shoulders to, to crack them. So it, it's about tailoring the, the workouts and what you're doing in the gym to what you're gonna do on the field, you know. If if the day is attack focused, it's all, it's all about like it'll be your fast, you know. Uh, they'll be your fastest lifts. They'll be it, it's like it's more power lifting. Um, there's agility sessions. There's going to be hand to eye coordination when you're resting um, between sets. And it's just all about let's say it's all about speed um, those days. So you have to get you have to work kind of closely with your S and C staff because they, there's there's so many great strength and conditioning coaches working in rugby, but they're working as strength and conditioning coaches in rugby. They're not working for rugby if that means and for the yeah. team so you have to be on board um football's a bit different because it's so stop start um it's not quite as dynamic or fluid should i say i would say that um your your lifting mm-hmm. is pretty much the same your your conditioning though your agility stuff and your endurance running is a lot different like you have there are there are no fitness runs (laughs) in football like we would do so i want to say for when it like in season would be the only time there would be a run uh and it would just be four lap this so this is yeah there's there's two there would be two days we would do a run um and it's not a real run there'd be four laps around the field on Mondays and then on Saturdays after we watched film early in the morning we would go 
on a two mile shakeout run. And I wouldn't call them fitness because they were very slow. It was just, (laughs) it was, they were probably, probably should have gone to the pool instead because it was just, you know, you just spent the day, the previous night hitting each other and the other team. So you're like really sore, but it was really to work out the soreness. And, you know, in, in high school and college, you don't really have that kind of access to pools like they do in the pros, but that would probably be, you know, the next day should have been like a recovery swim rather than a run. But that's what you see traditionally in like high schools today. And it's still, I mean, it's effective, but it's not in rugby. I think there was one team I was on that did fitness running um, out of the other two and like they would be real runs so like you'll see you know like your props running a 5k yeah 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 it's um and and that is the thing it's it's kind of you got to be fit to play this game now you know the i saw the 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 all black statistics for the bronco which is uh, 20 back 40 back 60 back meters five times and like the fastest is McKenzie at like four minutes twenty one, I think. But the but the props have to do it under five minutes as well. So like you're looking at a thirty five second difference in running. What is it? Forty one, twenty two four in twelve hundred meters. Is it twelve hundred meters? Yeah, it's about twelve hundred meters. I think. Yeah, twelve hundred is the Bronco. Yeah, it's like so, a thing is no joke. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's a you know thirty five second difference now between your prop and, and then your fullback lightning in the bottle player. Um, but yeah, you want to you want to try and, and again work with these coaches and and to you know something Ed told me is um, why are front row guys doing like a uh, clean and jerk, you know, cause their shoulders are already in bits from, especially if they, when they're older from all the scrumming, the scrumming and the lifting they're, 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 and then you put more stress on their shoulders then that's why they get injured. So you want to try and tailor the workouts that you're going to do that day, but also to the individual, you know, so they're not going to put more stress. Um, like I've a um, bad right knee. So we're going to, switch from one-legged things or jump squats um, to more uh, stable and static things. That's the kind of work you want to be doing with them together, I guess. So coming full circle, what is the, like, when it comes to seasonal planning, what would you call it in two sentences? About four months of work that no one knows what you're doing. That's, that's the ba- you basically just just work away. It's it's all day, every 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 day. Um, and you come up with a a plan that people look at and go, okay, that's great. Let's do it. Yeah. So yeah. basically, um, it it rolls back to you know off season, what you do in the off season, and then what you do, of course, in the preseason, which is when you're when you want to do your heaviest load of physical conditioning and then you sort of during the, I would say, was it, you would do um, your 
you'd be at peak physical conditioning in at the beginning of the season, and then you'd sort of taper into a maintenance mode. And then during your postseason, you're spending a lot more time on maintenance so that, you know, guys can be on the field and perform because the, the training load is still like, is still at such a high level when you're in postseason that you don't need certain things that you're definitely doing, you know, the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that's it for us. That's, uh, rugby techniques, seasonal planning, uh, physical and tactical periodization uh, for both the team and the individual. Uh, So thanks Gordon for uh, bringing all of that. Uh, That was, that was a great chat. Um, I hope everyone who will uh, watch this appreciates everything. Um, No, thank you. Pleasure as always. This has been lineouts by earful of dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening.